You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Guidepost. Tony Friedrich here, Vice President and Policy Director, joined by my partner in crime, Willie Goldsmith, Executive Director. And we have a special guest today. Willie, let's introduce our guest. We do indeed, Tony. Good to see your smiling face. I'm up here in Gloucester torturing myself, got the fishing DTs, looking at all these mackerel balls by the house. But it is what it is. And I think a, a welcome distraction is having our esteemed ASGA board chair, Peter Jenkins, owner of the Saltwater Edge. And Peter, welcome to the Guidepost. Well, thanks, guys. I mean, it's a different format for us. We talk a lot. This is a different way to do it. It's nice, right? It's, uh, I don't know, for better or for worse, we're seeing each other's faces and uh, and here we are. So how are uh, how are things in Rhode Island today? Yeah, pretty good. I got the same thing going on um, in my neighborhood. We have uh, Chubb Mackerel in the harbor here in Newport. And that's a uh, sort of precursor. The last couple of years, it's been a precursor to um, to uh, Benito and Alves and, and the rest. It's, uh, this is a time of year here in Newport where you know, just about anything could happen. You know, we have had in the past, you know, um, even uh, bluefin tuna uh, very close to shore. So uh, even caught in the pound nets. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's sort of the peak of our season in terms of bait and temperature. It gets wild from here. I bet you, I bet you those bluefin do some damage to the pound nets, man. That's that's yeah. not really what they're built for. No, so. no, no. But there's all kind. I mean, there's bonefish in there. What two years ago or something? There was bone, uh, bonefish fry in Block Island Harbor. I mean, what wow. the, what the heck is going, going on? on? Yeah, the Kuberas. You guys have had a couple of big Kubera snapper around there, haven't you? The last couple of years, spear fishermen and yeah, I'm more aware of the like cobia, that. but yeah, yeah, it seems like that's been on the rise too. I remember yeah. last year, Jamie uh, Jamie Boyle. Obviously, you know, our, our Massachusetts board member sent us a picture of an Almaco Jack. He caught fishing rocks for stripers. We, we thought that was a little odd, too. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, guys, we wanted to have Peter on here uh, because, you know, we, lo- we love the guy and we love his story. So for those of y'all who don't know, Peter is the owner of largest independent tackle shop in Rhode Island, Saltwater Edge. Peter is a master salesman and marketer, a uh, passionate fisherman, and a passionate conservationist. So, Peter, I think the listeners would love to kind of hear your story of how you ended up with the Saltwater Edge, and uh, and and you know, because it's it's a it's a pretty fun one, and it's about just a you know an average Joe following his dream. Um, yeah. So, could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, sure. So, the Saltwater Edge. Um, is uh, was founded here in Newport almost 30 years ago on Thames Street. We've moved five times. Maybe this is, uh, I think, our sixth time. In uh, But we're now Middletown, Rhode Island, in a pretty good-sized retail location, something like 24, 2,800 uh, feet of retail and and then a, um, a pretty good shipping area in the back. So it's uh, we've grown over time. Um, and uh, originally started as a fly shop in an 800 square foot uh, space on Thames Street, and um, you know grew over the years. But uh, fly fishing was the original focus, and then you know sort of over time, um, we uh, 
expanded to include surf casting and uh, in light tackle. Now, the, the, the surf caster is as passionate about the finish on the plug as the fly guy was about what color, uh, um, you know, bucktail to use in the sand eel fly. I mean, it's passion. And that's what connects fishermen. That's what connects people, right? So, um, and so we've, for over this nearly 30 years, have stayed really an inch wide and a mile deep. It's uh, surf, fly, and inshore are the lines we um, cover. And probably inshore has kind of evolved to include uh, light tackle and, and jigging. But that's our thing. We, we don't do freshwater. We don't do uh, offshore. Um, and uh, we've sort of stuck with that over, over the years. Um, I got involved with the Saltwater Edge because at the time I was also involved in a company called Real Time, R-E-E-L hyphen T-I-M-E. It was the first uh, saltwater fly fishing uh, website on the internet. This is 97 or 8 or something. And um, the idea of, for me, I thought, was to, uh, to combine uh, content, which is real time, and which is some of the first fishing reports and all that uh, online. It was literally a, a forum um, before um, you know, there were blogs or anything like that a good long time ago. But uh, it was to combine content, which Realtime had, with product, which Saltwater Edge had. And uh, that was my – that's what I saw. That was my vision, if you will. And uh, it took a long time to come to pass, I think. Um, but that's where we are now. That's how we operate now. Um, and so, uh, you know, the Saltwater Edge itself's philosophy is pretty simple. You know, we, we fish the gear we sell, you know, we get, get out there and fish and, and, and when we write about it, talk about it, or people come into the store and ask questions, or we get hit up on chat, it's, that's where the answers are coming from, some experience. Um, and then, um, you know, it's, uh, um, I think um, the market's always kind of shifting. There's a soft plastic phase, and then there's a custom wood phase, and, you know, something else and something else. So, so Peter, what what are all the cool kids talking about these days down at the Saltwater Edge? What's hot right now? Well, you know, like I was saying, it kind of always is evolving, and uh, of late, there's been a you know increased interest in, in jigging in general. You know, light tackle, spin reels, or low profile reels, and lighter lines and lighter jigs, and then um, also slow pitch jigging, and then also flies kind of rebounding, not surprisingly, because it did. Uh, the last time, um, there were a bunch of small stripers around. So, um, those are kind of what, uh, what, um, you know, people are interested in trying that's new. I'm seeing surf casters, for example, come over to fly, uh, as it's a challenge to find, you know, better fish along the coast. So they're making, they're using fly tackle to make it a little bit more interesting. All right. No, I hear you. That makes, makes a lot of sense for sure. Um, and I'm curious, I'd like to kind of step back a little bit to kind of before my time at ASGA, right? So back when back when the association was really coming into being, and obviously, you know, you and Tony and John all found each other. And just kind of curious if you can tell us that story a little bit. And Tony, maybe your perspective as well, you know, like bringing in, you know, bringing in industry, right? Bringing in a tackle shop to really be a voice of conservation and, you know, how that process evolved. You want that, Tony? Because you guys came to me. Well, you know, it was, I mean, it was kind of interesting, you know, I have been through quite a lot in my life in nonprofits and I have a, I have a pretty firm understanding of what a chairman needs to do and who they need to be and the personality they have. 
And the depth of my understanding with that can only come from having a couple of real shitty chairmen yeah. and, uh, and how horrible that can be and how it can absolutely ruin an organization. Um, and, you know, had, had a bunch of talks with Peter when we were considering, considering asking him to be the chairman and just every talk we had, he was just a, he was a normal, a normal guy. He loved fishing. And I think the biggest thing with Peter and, and I did, you know, I pushed him kind of hard to take over the chairman role and it's not an easy role to have. Um, the biggest thing with Peter was I knew after a couple of conversations, you know, look, we're all fishermen and, and that makes us all, you know, all of us have a little bit of an ego, but Peter has the capacity to put his aside and, and so do the rest of us to get the job done. And I think that's yeah. the, that's the key when you're looking for officers and, and, and people who are going to help guide the association is to be able to kind of put yourself in check and understand that everyone's got to row in the same direction for the same goal. And the, and the other thing was that Peter came in with a different skill set that none of us have, and that's sales and marketing. Happened, you know, it, it, it happened again. One, try, try one more time. Peter, Peter came in with a skill set that most of us didn't have, and we still don't, and that's sales and marketing. And that's integral to, you know, being successful as an association, because it's one thing for us to set the policy and attend the meetings and understand the nuances. But it's another thing entirely of having that forward face that, you know, why sh people should be interested in what we're doing. And, and you got to have that sales and marketing background to really be able to push that. So, so that's, that's how I came to find Peter. And, you know, I'm interested to know what he thinks about those early days. Well, you know, I, I remember, <clears throat> I think I was at the big rock show down in um, Carolina or in Nashville. And I remember roaming the halls talking to you and, you know, the idea made a lot of sense to me, the vision you guys had to create a voice uh, for those that understood and recognized and were concerned about the sustainability of the fisheries that our businesses were built upon. And that's true of guides, that's true of rod builders, fly tires, shop owners, et cetera. And um, I remember I was in a large, you know, uh, trade show for manufacturers thinking that, you know, you don't get that, um, you know, uh, level of, um, you know, sort of commitment and, and passion that I was hearing from Tony anywhere in the room I was in, right? And um, I think the idea, the thing that really resonated with me, and it might have been John who said it, was, you know, we take care of the fish, the fish will take care of us. And I think the vision uh, for this has been clear. Um, and then, you know, we found, um, you know, uh, additional resources and people and skills and, uh, you know, I think we're still, um, you know, wondering how, what to do with, quote, members and things like that. But, uh, you know, we're, 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 um, we're a voice. We've become a voice that, that people trust. And uh, that's, the, that's the, you know, that's kind of job one, right? It's all built on trust. And I think um, the way we've operated, the way we've conducted ourselves has got us, you know, building that. And that's going to grow. That, that and passion are two things that you can 
leverage sounds a little, you know, too businessy, but you can, is, is how something's going to grow, you know? Um, and so I think, uh, you know, we worked hard to build trust and, and share our passion. And, and, you know, Peter, look, it's not, it hadn't all been sunshine and unicorns. Like, you know, no, we've, correct. <laughs> we've bought it. I mean, we've bought it heads. We've disagreed. <laughs> but the one thing is, is that the mission brings us back to center because I think we know true, true. that nobody's perfect, but our, what we stand for is pretty damn near perfect. And that's more important. I yeah. Mean, I, and no one's bigger than the mission. No one's bigger than the mission. Right. So, um, yeah, I think that you're right. I think that's a great way to say it. it brings us back to center. And and Peter, I'm wondering if you can. Obviously, you've been a huge, you know, a huge asset to the association. Our, our board chair, you know, tip of the spear on a lot of the issues we work on, and you know, Stripe Bass in particular. And obviously, a lot of that you do kind of wearing the ASG, ASGA board chair hat. But obviously, as well, you know, you've got the Saltwater Edge Empire, right? You guys have this this great brand, and you you're able to use that a lot as well as as a voice for conservation, right? As kind of a, you know, as a soapbox to really mm -hmm. uh, get your anglers to, to hear what, what's important and how they should be involved. And obviously a lot of what we try to do as well is do that, have that same messaging with folks on the water, right? With charter captains and guides and, and all of that. And just wonder if you can speak a bit, you know, I've heard you talk about how you view it as kind of an obligation as somebody who's in the you know in the recreational fishing economy to, to be an advocate and to be a voice for conservation can you tell us a bit about kind of how you got to that conclusion and why that's so important to you yeah sure i, I honestly i've told people before i'd still be um involved i'd be involved with the american saltwater guide association if i was still in the medical device business and somehow some way you know uh you know volunteering the skills that i have because uh, it's that important to me um, but as it relates to saltwater edge, um, I think, you know, I, I, this is the people want to buy from, uh, you know, people want to understand brands, brands are logos and, you know, and mission statements and all that. But at the end of the day, people want to, in your brain, in fact, wants to put things away. It wants to have a place for each of these things. So it's important to not, not try to be everything to everybody. And the saltwater edge doesn't try to be everything to everybody. We don't want to be bigger. We don't think bigger is better. We think better is better, right? And so we, we've stayed and stuck with our knitting of that surf fly inshore. And, you know, if you do that and you're out there, you're on the rocks, you're, you know, uh, you, you just can see what's happening in front of you the, 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 in terms of the resource, whether it's, you know, forage or, or game fish or, or water quality or, you know, pick one or access. I'm involved in that here in Rhode Island. Um, they're all interdependent and, and is certainly critical to a successful, sustainable business. And, you know, um, so to me, it's fundamental. Um, it's personal, first and foremost. And second, uh, I think it's absolutely critical uh, to the, our business. And, and, you know, I think, you know, perhaps there's people that don't do business with the Saltwater Edge because of some of the things we stand for and advocate. That's fine, you know. Um, and on the other hand, I think um, that's by being consistent and being committed and, and, and you know, speaking your truth, you're going to have uh, people that are that are more engaged, and and you're going to have a better platform to um, share your message from. I absolutely believe that, you know. Um, Tony, it almost yeah. it, it almost sounds like uh, this idea that I've heard of called better business through conservation. 
Ding, ding. Yeah, yeah we try to push that a little bit. You know, um, I, I think, you know, it's one of those things like you, you cannot fit a square peg into a round hole. And there's tons of tackle shops out there. There's, there's tons of, uh, you know, guides out there. And we're not going to change who we are because, you know, a new person comes on the board or anything else. And it, a lot of it is the right fit. And, you know, we're all different. You know, we all get our, we all get our egos bruised every once in a while while we're doing this, but we're all in it for the right reasons. And, and I've told Peter this, uh, you know, a bunch of times during the best days and the worst days that it, what, what we do is tough and ugly and, and you don't make friends but we're doing it for the right reasons. And, and yes, better business through conservation. Yes, we will catch more fish. Yes, we will take more trips. Yes, Peter will sell more, you know, van stall reels and, and, and jig and Lucanus jigs and, and God knows what else people end up buying over the next couple of years. But that's not why we do it. I, I remember a conversation Peter and I had in the very beginning. And I told him, you know, buddy, one day this will all be worth it. If me and you are sitting on some porch in some beach house and we see a group of 10 high school kids running as fast as they can down the beach with their fly rods or their surf rods or whatever, chasing a school of breaking stripers. I said, I, I said, well, you know, we'll, we'll look across that porch and just smile at each other. And that's one of those smiles that says about a million words. And I think that's why we do it. It's not, Peter doesn't do I look, I know Peter pretty damn well. He does not do it to sell more stuff and to make himself look good. He does it because it's in his heart. And, and I think, I think I'd like people to know that. Well, you know, I, that, that kid was me, you know, I used to, uh, um, you know, like Willie's looking out the window at the, at the mackerel, um, there was, um, you know, uh, Menhaden bunker, um, on a beach near, uh, where my grandparents lived. And I spent part of my summers there and, uh, you know, I would run over to my grandfather's and it would take a whole half hour, 45 minutes to get him out and on the boat and out to the point and, you know, but, uh, that was that was literally me, the guy running, uh, you know, to uh, to chase the fish. So it's been a fishing's been a part of, um, you know, my it's been my um, I don't know north star, if you will. It's been the thing I go back to. Um, had a lot of other things, business, and you know, family, and and uh, lacrosse, and other things in my life. But um, uh, fishing's been a damn near constant since my grandfather, uh, you know, got me involved and you know taught me a thing or two when I was, you know, six, eight, ten years old. So and where where did you grow um, up fish where'd you grow up fishing, Peter? Um on Buzzards Bay. Grew up on the South Shore of Boston, but the, the place my grandparents were was on Buzzards Bay. So um stripers, scup, um, you know, my grandfather taught me um um plugging. I remember um, you know, sevens eights at sevens eights ounce Adam Poppers were his his go to. And we caught schoolies for the old know, the old forever. blue and whites. Yes, yes. <laughs> and actually he 
uh, started fishing the canal um, after World War II, I would guess. He was a pilot. And the and fiberglass and those lighter materials that were used in the planes were starting to appear in fishing rods. And it made it easier, lighter. He wasn't some big heavy rod you would use to to try to fish the canal. So he he was uh he was on the canal, you know, way back as the um um and uh and then you know there was light tackle and and uh that's where we got together on on a boat. And there was another guy in, in the town I grew up in. Um, who I caddied for, um, who was from the Anglers Club in New York. And um, he had a whole bunch of uh, amazing bamboo fly rods. And so after I carried his golf bag, we'd go to his house and he taught me to fly cast. And so one of my you know real passions is saltwater fly fishing, really from the gift um, the, that both those men gave me. And, uh, you know, it goes back to being, you know, like I say, Eight, ten, probably twelve when I was carrying a bag. So um, it's a uh, it's an important thing to me. But I, you know, as I think about this and, and the idea of the passion and how important it is to me, and the, you know, you said you know there's choices and, and Tony said and it's not easy and you know things like that. Um, you know, I think about the people I've met along the way, right? I mean, you guys, um, John, um, you know, plenty of others. I think that Joe uh, Gagino at Costa. You know, um, he is fighting the fight and, and uh, passionate, you know, passionate angler. And, and I think of uh, this guy I met recently here in Rhode Island, um, Michael Woods. He's um, a local chapter guy for um, backcountry hunters and anglers. And we got together on he, he called me wanting to know more about the striper issue and wrote a letter of support, you know, for striped bass and not exactly their wheelhouse, but uh and then I got together with him and, and wrote a letter of support relative to um, an access issue, you know, and uh, he's, you know, he's, we share the same passion, not exactly, but we're willing to, um, you know, mix it up and, and, and stick our nose in there as needed. You know, um, I was at ICAST last week and I had the opportunity to meet uh, Carter Andrews, who's that Carter's uh, and, um, obsession of carter andrews the fishing uh, fishing show i think it's been on seven or eight seasons and um you know part of the conversation got to exactly that sustainable business through um you know uh, you need sustainable resources to have sustainable business and um and you know he agreed completely and i could tell when he was speaking about it it was you know it was deep he had real concerns for how um we're we're treating the resource so those that are out there and, and, you know, his business is built on sustainable resources as well. So, I mean, if you're involved, if you're passionate, if you love to fish, whether it's to support, you know, um, like I said, it's your passion or if you're involved in it uh, from in a business kind of way, whether it's a guide or a television or a shop or a whatever, um, you got you to gotta put the fish first. We got to find a way to take care of the fish. So um, that's... Uh, that's how they meld to me. That's how I got, you know, the, the, where the passion is and, 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 and how they kind of, um, um, align to me, you know, it's all we're This is the way we're going to do it, you know? So, you know, Peter, I, um, I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm just a redneck from <laughs> like the deep, the, the deep South. And, you know, you're, you're a, you're a new England guy. Willie's a new England guy. John's a, John's a, you know, big Irish dude from Long Island, you know, Virginia originally, and then Long Island. 
And, you know, I don't think you, when you think of our team, you can't really find, you know, I think of like our board and how different everyone is. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy. You know, you, mm-hmm. you look at, you look at a, you know, like a guy like Kyle Schaefer, who's up in Maine, he runs bonefish lodges in the winter and, and, and he runs a skiff and is like sight casting. And then you, you look at Gene Quigley, who's, who's got this, you know, beautiful center console and is roaring out there with like 1200 horsepower to go catch tuna. And you, then you got a guy like Tom Roller who does it all, you know, who's, who's inshore, offshore, a couple of different boats, you know, taking advantage of everything North Carolina has to offer. They're all so different. They're all, you know, how they live their lives, what, what they believe in, you know, but, right. but it all comes back to fishing and that's yep. what brings yep. us together. You know, right. that's, that's what we can all sit down and break bread and, and talk to each other. And we line up, you know, right there together. And I, and I think when you're, you know, whether you're looking for employees for, for saltwater edge and you, you know, you're looking for that passion and that's what drives people. Mm-hmm. And like I say it about Willie all the time, like, yeah, the kid is brilliant and he, and he has this crazy experience. He has a PhD, take all that and throw it out the window. You know, the, the kid loves fishing and he, and right. you combine that with all his smarts and everything else. And you know, that's where you get the total package. And I think it's just, it's really interesting to me how we all found each other and uh, and I, I'd just like to get no, your agree. thoughts you wouldn't, on you that. Wouldn't, you, would, you couldn't draw it up. Yeah, you couldn't draw it up. You know, um, it is certainly fishing is a connective tissue and a passion, and I think a commitment to um, the resource. You know, and 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 honestly, um, maybe just a little bit of a long term view. And I would say the other thing that connects us. You kind of mentioned it with the kid on the porch, uh, seeing the kids run down the beach. Is um, I if there's one thing that I see. Uh, most commonly articulated by the people that, you know, are in this game, you know, the, the, some of the folks I already mentioned that you kind of meet along the way or whatever else is they want to leave this better than they found it, you know, or at least try. And uh, they probably couldn't um, live with themselves if they didn't, you know, the sport, the fish striped bass for me, mostly, you know, has given me a lot. Right. And so, I want my kids and my kids' kids and somebody else's kids to enjoy that, uh, that journey. I try, I try to write about it, um, in a blog post. I'm going to, I think I'm going to, you know, stumble on some of the idea, but just the gist of it is, um, you know, fishing is how you see the world. You have to act, um, with that as a central theme. And it might not be, maybe golf is how you see the world. I don't know. Right. But if it's fishing, uh, you certainly have to, to, you can be, you know, is geeked out on the, the knots and the gear and the, all that, or, um, you know, all the other pieces. But at the end of the day, it's the fish itself. And that's where these special memories come from. I think you may have talked about it already, but when you ask somebody why they fish, you're going to get a different reason. I, when I wrap up each of my podcast episodes that I do, I ask, you know, why do you fish? And I've seen top names just go, stop and stumble for words and you know don't have a clear answer it's because it's literally who they are you know what i mean it's fundamental to them i hate i hate getting that question personally i never i never know what yeah (laughs) right it's a great question in the end you know 
so, but the point is, you know, why do you fish? And, and people, everyone has their own different reasons. Very personal for me. It's back to those couple of guys that, um, you know, gave me gifts, my grandfather and, and, uh, and the, uh, Frank Randebrock, you know, um, the guy I used to caddy for, um, and, uh, they gave me time and they gave me their attention and, uh, and, and shared their passion. So, um, and the striped bass, uh, or was responsible for that, you know, was the, was the source of that. So, um, you know, want to make sure that opportunity is available to other kids, um, you know, uh, and, uh, so an effort maybe to leave it better than you found it, I think. And, you know, Peter, um, I, maybe Peter, I, think, you. I think I say this on every podcast, right? I, I know why I fish. I mean, and it's, it's right in mm-hmm. line with what you're saying. Like, I fished to find peace when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I, I I fished to yeah. my my grandfather passed away when I was eleven. I fished to reconnect with him. I I fished mm-hmm. to kind of get away from you know a little bit of chaos, and you know it was mm-hmm. a place for me where I was grounded, and I felt like I I felt like I was connected too. Like when you when you feel out of place in the world, and there's like one thing that you can do where you feel like you're in the right place and you belong, you know, that's, that's a pretty cool feeling and it's, it's addictive. It's almost like a drug. And I, and I know when I was fishing and maybe some of my other friends, as I got older, weren't doing great things and getting in trouble and kind of going down the wrong road. And I was just there fishing and, and anyone was Mm -hmm. welcome to come along with me. It's not like I just had to be by myself or it was, you know, it was this way to isolate myself. But if you didn't love it, I really didn't want to fish with you. If you were a pain in the ass and you wanted to drink beer all the time, or you know, you, you know, you didn't get another invite go home. from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, we've, all, we've right. only been here for an hour. I, my wife's calling. I'm like, well, you, you know, I hope you wore your comfortable shoes because your ass is walking home. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, it's kind of similar. I, I had a yeah. uh, well. I don't have to tell you, but uh, two of the people in this world, I don't have to tell. Um, but I, you know, mad case of uh, ADHD for me. And, uh, and fishing is a place whether, uh, that a lot of that stuff just slows down and, um, I'm focused and it's kind of one thing and I don't get that very often. It's, it is peace for me. It's my sort, my type of peace. And I think it's funny. No, I'm with you, Peter. I mean, especially on the ADHD, but also on the peace thing. And I think it's funny because people equate peace with relaxation and for mm-hmm. me, it isn't like if anybody goes Focus. fishing with me, I am like wired, man. It is a mm-hmm. scene. Um, doesn't matter what I'm doing. You know, if I'm throwing dead bait for catfish in the Potomac, you know, I'm, I'm as engaged and as, you know, feverishly re-rigging and checking baits, everything else is if, as I've, if I'm, you know, fishing for bluefin off the Cape, it's the same thing. You know, it's that, it's that mm-hmm. intensity and that focus. And to Tony's point, it's an escape, right? You, you mm-hmm. just become so immersed and I'm with you. Like, First thing I ask people when they when they ask if they want to go fishing with me is just so you know we're gonna fish till we're done and that's that's how it <laughs> works like you know don't have plans later in the day because we're gonna fish till we're done um, yeah. and it just so listen wait I got the, I got a funny as hell story right so I think you know Willie and Peter know I do this goofy you know the the weirder the fishing is the more I like it so. Uh, for the past 20 something years, my favorite thing to do, and it's got to be the right day, the right tide, right everything. But I can go to this little beach somewhere near me and I can wade and I drift crab and shrimp flies for flounder. 
in like two feet of water. And I think it's the coolest thing ever. So I have this, I have this longtime friend, been friends with him forever. Really smart guy. Love the guy. And we, we, I took him, I don't, I don't take everyone to do this with me because I, I just, you know, I can't watch you like a baby and there's sharks around. It's got, you got to be a good fisherman. Anyway, I take my buddy and, uh, and about two, three hours into the tide, tide starts picking up. We're crushing flounder. His phone rings. He answers the phone and his wife, who was a lovely person, fell off the porch and like shattered her ankle. The break was so bad that they had a name for it. I can't remember, but it, the, the name was given, I think, during like the French Revolution for when a cavalry officer fell off the horse and his leg got caught in the stirrup. And at that time, the only cure was like an amputation. Mm. So his wife, they're both physicians. His wife, who is a physician, calls him his like at the time, his like 70 or 80 year old father is heading over to the house to take her to the emergency room. You know, they lived very close to the hospital because they're both physicians. And he looks at me and was like, we got to go home. And I had this dear friend whose wife had just devastated her ankle where not 150 years ago, it would have resulted in an amputation. And I looked at him and I was like, she can't wait for like an hour. man. This is the sweet part of the tide. And I will just tell you that the ride home was quiet and we worked yes. our way. We worked our way through the problems <laughs> and we're still friends, but I, I was actually a little pissed that his Listen, wife. I, it's just funny because I would definitely have thought that, but this is where Tony and I are different in our strategies of dealing with people. I don't know if I would have actually said it, but I might've. Uh, but I always appreciate the straight shooter, Tony. Yeah, and 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 Mark, if you're listening to this, I'm glad your wife doesn't have a limp, and everything worked out, and she's still as cute and funny and vivacious and wonderful as she was the day that she almost broke her ankle off. Uh, and I hope you can forgive me for that 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 uncomfortable ride home. But you know, we learned our lesson. We take separate cars now, just in case that happens. So, there you go. <laughs> you learn from this stuff. Um, but you know, in all, in all seriousness, uh, you know, I, I think it's, I, I think the last message, you know, that I want to leave with people is, um, for years, you know, I've been in this conservation game for a really, really long time and I've heard the craziest stuff throughout my life. And one of the things is like, sometimes guides don't want to say how horrible the fishing is. And I'll, I'll use captains for clean water as an example, you know, I think one of the right when they first started, before they first started, guides did not want to admit, some guides did not want to admit that there was a serious problem in Florida with the water because they felt like it would drive business away if people knew mm -hmm. how bad it was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I hear it from local tackle shops around here that, like, oh, no, you know, we don't want to talk about that. We'll sell less stuff. And, and, you know, you just you just kind of look at people like that and you're like, for the love of God, like how short-sighted is that? Like how how incredibly short-sighted is that view? Because if you don't stand up and protect the resource, your ass is on the line. Your business depends right. on it. And that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons why I love Peter so much is because none of that is inside of him. 
He sees it as his duty, not only to the resource, to the guides association, but to his business, his the long-term viability of his business to say, stand up, be honest, say what's going on and try to figure out a way how to fix it. And I just don't know how Peter is wired so differently than so many other tackle shop owners who want to keep quiet about it because they got to sell, you know, they don't want to talk about how bad flounder fishing is because they want to sell their flounder rigs. And that's just insane to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Peter, I'm sure you've seen that too. And I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Sure. Um, I, I tell you, it's a couple things. I think, you know, um, you know, you, you, you know, when you talk about, you know, my business, it's, um, you know, it, it's me and the rest of my team, but the rest of my team is there for the customer, right? To help the customer make the most of their time on the water. So um, you have to be, and that starts with honesty. That starts with trust. Any relationship starts with trust, right? So if it isn't so great, you talk about why it's not so great. If they are listening, you can share with them uh, things they might be able to do to make it better than it is, you know? And you pick up disciples, if you will, along the way. You know, and, um, you know, I, um, I, you know, often make um, use part of my email list and, and blog and all that to, to just you know, promote ASGA type stuff or, or or something I may have wrote around conservation myself. And, um, you know, often when I do at the end, I might include a recipe because, you know, the fish are here for 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 consumption. You know, it's a food. Um but we can be responsible. We can and keep the long term in mind. We can keep our kids in mind. You know, we can treat the fish with respect. There's a, many opportunities, and um, you know, to to teach and educate and share uh, ways that you might be able to do that better. You know, um, and and I think there's a you know people are are becoming increasingly aware. You know, some people are motivated to to do something about it, right? And that's those are the people you're going to be able to work with anyway. It's not the people who aren't, not the people who don't value it, not the people who might just, you know, if the fishing's no good, move on to golf, right? So, um, you know, for us, it's like I said, um, the customer that, that's the customers at the center of this. Um, and if I'm going to serve the saltwater edge, is going to serve them. And saltwater edge is going to have to to step up on on conservation issues as well as, you know, the other thing you talk about some of the other other shops. I mean. I don't know how they do their business, but at the end of the day, um, this alone, you know, uh, conservation, uh, um, the effort, the conservation efforts alone, don't cut it. That's not enough. You still have to deliver on service and selection and expertise and other things that go together to m make it an attractive uh, option, you know, but um, I do... Uh, I do wonder, you know, um, and, and when I call other tackle guys, uh, the shop owners, I did that for Rhode Island a couple of years ago when we needed a, a good turnout. I, I called the other eight or 10 shops that, you know, of significant size and, and they were right, right on board, you know, but um, probably um, need a little bit of guidance and, and support, you know, but, uh, um, you know, that's what the guide association is here for, you know, to, to guide and support and, and give, folks guides and tackle shop owners and lure builders and recreational anglers a, a voice they can trust and 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 some guidance on how to be effective so um you know keep doing it that's what we're gonna do and you know i i, I think with that 
I think people have a pretty good idea of who our chairman is now and what he stands for. And, you know, Cody, our, our social media guy, Cody, brought up something that's pretty interesting to me, Peter. And his generation, those like 20-something-year-old kids, mm-hmm. it's, it's incredible. They, they, they're buying decisions versus like people our age. 80, 90% of their buying decisions are what the brand stands for. Right. So it doesn't matter who has the best technical shirt. It matters to them who does the best work. If they, if they care about conservation, their buying decisions are based on who walks the walk. Right. So, I guess that bodes really well for you as these kids get older and start making more money. Um, because I don't know any tackle shop that's walking the walk more than saltwater edge. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty awesome when you can do the right thing and be rewarded for it. Uh, and I, and I know you've told me plenty of times that when people order from you online, that they'll say something like appreciate what you're doing for stripers only buy from you. Um, and, and it's just, it's great. It's great to see somebody being rewarded for doing the right thing. Uh, Cause yeah, I know, you know, I know how many hours you put into this. I get it. I'm, I'm here every day. <laughs> I watch, which I watch what you do. And it's for all those people who are scared of doing the right thing. You're the living embodiment. You're not doing it to get more sales, but, because you're doing it, that's what's happening. At least that's what yeah, you told me. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> and I'd encourage everybody else, any other, anybody else, you know, um, who's uh, looking to, um, you know, build a brand and increase awareness and all that, those other kinds of things. That's it. You know, it's not, um, you know, you can't say we have a great selection and we have expertise. So we have fast shipping. The customer has to say that in reviews and, and comments to friends at a fishing club and things like that, right? Um, because you just can't claim that stuff. It, it has to come from a third party. So you got to deliver on that for sure. But at the end of the day, you can use your platform, your pulpit, whatever you want to call it, your blog, your email list to advocate for things that are important for all of us. And, um, and I just feel strongly that way. And I would, I would you know, it's no no smoke and mirrors or anything like that. Like you say, it's a lot of work, but uh, and it's it's extra work. For sure. It's extra work, but worth it. Awesome. And I think that's an awesome note to end on, Peter, you know, and pretty, pretty inspirational, I think, for the folks out there who make a living off the water. So again, Peter Jenkins, owner of the Saltwater Edge, American Saltwater Guides Association's board chair. Peter, thanks so much for joining us on the guidepost today. You betcha, man. I enjoy working with you guys. 